1: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker shut up and sit down
2: Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. We are at the Deltaplex once more with um, Nick Percy of Killer Food Plots. And what we're doing today is we're going to kind of go through um, food plotting 101 for the everyman, right? And Nick over here is the Billy Mays of food plotting. Like, if he doesn't know what he's talking about, he's going to 100% get you to invest in what he's talking about. This guy is so passionate. You know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't do anything. McDonald's iced tea is one of his vices, but food plots are (laughs) his drug. So how are we doing today, Nick, and, and what do you think about that?
3: Hey, we're doing great, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for that intro. And, yes, I am a uh, unsweet McDonald's iced tea addict for sure. So it's worse things than that and peanut m ms I talk about those a lot too, but uh, <laughs> too funny.
2: So, so one of the things, you know, we cater more to the – small plot of land, um, private or a public land. Guy. Mm-hmm. So a public mm-hmm. land guy isn't going to be able to do a, a, a food plot. No, nope. But I think Michigan for us growing up has always been, you know, that five to 40 acres, Yeah. right? Yeah. So you're going to have an opportunity, whether it's your grandpa's farm or, or mm-hmm. something like that, you, you live on this plot where you may be able to put in a food plot. There's always deer <laughs> around. But you can't quite pattern them. You can't. You can't yep. do it. So, so, how do you view that sort of thing? And I guess to start off, like, what is your background with with food plotting?
3: So I started food plotting twenty nine years ago, which is really hard to believe that it's gone by that fast. But my buddies were uh, big deer hunters. I was a huge fisherman. You couldn't if I wasn't at work, I was standing in the river until the wee hours of the morning. And and uh, as you know. I don't need a lot of sleep because I go about 20 to 22 hours a day most days. But uh, my background, I had a green thumb, which is now what it is today, um, has turned into killer food plots. And I started doing food plotting, and I didn't know anything more than a lot of people this year who have historically been baiting to draw their deer in. I started in a similar situation other than I just didn't hunt at all Um, when I was 19, 19. I started doing the food plotting thing, failed miserably for two years, didn't understand sunlight so much, didn't understand the the, the soil. Man, is our soil challenging. Um, we have extremely sandy, or I call it the Michigan dirty sand, uh, or we have clay, a little bit of gravel, or some combination of those two things. Very limited, uh, good quality loam exists in the state that hasn't already been farmed or in a farming program for some period of time. So what we did is... I started out to get that education, and I got signed up with one of the bigger companies in the industry Um, at that time in 1989, that 1990 time frame. They were the first specific seed company to grow whitetail food plots. And honestly, I made the trip down there several different times. I didn't learn anything about food plots. You know what I learned how to do? Run a shotgun to kill cottonmouth and run a chainsaw in the middle of the river to cut down tree jams because I told him I was a hard worker and I was willing to do what I needed to do to cut my teeth to learn. And driving to Tennessee on a just-out-of-high-school budget, I worked three jobs. I've always been busy. You know me. I don't (laughs) sit still. But, um, you know, so all my money was going into that and my fishing. And I was learning, and I was trying to get better at the food plots. And I evolved from that into raising whitetail deer because I wanted my own test specimens. I wanted to learn. I wanted to understand. Not only what do they need nutrition from a nutrition standpoint, but what are their habits? How do they act? How are their social interaction? And that through that process, um, I launched what is, uh, essentially is my base business of ground up property, where I manage properties, um, timber management's in my in my family history. Uh, our property up in Macosta on Horsehead Lake. My great uncles were timber barons from ni- from eighteen eighty seven. The original cabin that's still there today. That was the logging office for their business. Wow. So yeah. I've got a lot of that history. My grandfather has taught me about timber. My father taught me a bit about timber, although that wasn't, really wasn't his thing. But we burned wood when I was younger, save costs. My parents were young when I was born, so we had to <laughs> yeah. put the pennies together to make it work. But they taught me hard work. They taught me how to, um, to appreciate the land, to understand uh, what it has to offer, To really take it in, my dad was a huge fisherman, upland bird hunter. He did a little deer hunting and such, but that's, besides the fishing, those were his retreat with his buddies to go do the hunting stuff. So I didn't learn hunting until I learned it from my buddy and my buddy's dad at 20 years old. I shot my first deer. It was such a cool experience, but I just enjoyed being in the woods. I did a lot of napping. (laughs) I missed a lot of really big deer in Southern Michigan because I was sleeping. Um, But I I just really enjoyed the relaxation of hanging out in a tree stand. But then as I started to get more involved in developing the soil and building the soil and then learning about the different plants, species of seeds, and those type of things, that's when I really grew kind of the whitetail uh, side of my business and uh, really started to venture out.
2: So in that... Evolution as a hunter, as a deer farmer, as a horticulturist, yep. I, I don't yep. know. Um, where do you start with that? I know, you know, <laughs> we listened to Nick just, I mean, give his whole spiel, the whole thing. I mean, at ATA, you know, you're selling to, you know, thousands of acres, you know, guys that have mm-hmm. everything. So for the small plot guy or yep. whatever, where do you start? Because personally, this is the way that I feel. Is like you're going to go in and you're going to go, okay, well, I don't have, everything seems to be an afterthought, right? So yep. you're going to be like, well, a soil sample here, or what about this? Well, they say this one's better. <laughs> this is better. Well, I can just get clover. Um, you know, you went into a lot of how the deer actually utilize what you're feeding them. Correct. And so how, how does that enter into the... So- Very important
3: is that soil test. If you're new to food plotting or if you've been in it for a while and just don't feel like you're getting the results you need, you're probably not fully understanding your soil. Now, you may have perfect pH, but that's not, that's just the beginning of what you need to have going on in your soil for success. Organic matter is a big missing piece, micronutrients. Here's another thing that we've been really talking to people about because they don't understand is having the healthy bacteria in the soil, the bugs, the fungi, right? They've been pouring synthetic fertilizer because it's the cheapest way. It's the easiest way. It flows. We can broadcast it. Well, we developed a product 12 years ago here called Groganics Fusion Fertilizer, and that product is made here in Michigan. Um, We are able to build soils. We're able to add immediately add organic matter, minerals, minerals calcium, which is very important for plant growth and development, a lot more than the NPK, 19 19, 19 or 12-12-12 right. or whatever it is you use. The other thing is synthetic fertilizers full of salt. And so when you want biology in the soil to help and aid in plant growth, breaking down and making available nutrients for your plant so that it can successfully take that and then create the green growth above ground you're looking for, the groceries for your deer, You start dumping synthetic salt year after year after year, you're killing the biology. You're killing the fungi, the bacteria that's necessary. When you look at farmers, they use synthetic fertilizer. It's cheap. It's immediate. Boom, we're done. But what else are they pouring in in truckloads and truckloads and truckloads? Manure. And the manure is full of bacteria and and full of that fungi uh, consistency that's building the organic matter and the bacteria, which the soil needs to be efficient and to be alive and working. If you keep squelching it with more and more salt, eventually your productivity drops, drops down, and it's gone. Or if you have, like we do, the dirty sand, everything drops out the bottom every year, and it's just hard to build up. Well, we developed Groganics Fusion and our Groganics Hydration to build that soil, replenish the things, the micronutrients, carbon, calcium, natural NPK, and organic matter, putting minerals into the ground that the plant can take and then transfer to your deer, et cetera, and we're able to produce a lot more tonnage per acre out of our food plots have success and ultimately be able to have more groceries come time for hunting season the winter months when things are hard and crucial uh, for the deer
2: to have food sources make sure that they're on your property so you're drawing the deer in and it's not only the tonnage because in, in talking to you previously in the something that i never would have thought of is that you know and in, in talking to jared with the habitat podcast yeah. you know he's saying well you know you had almost knee-high clover but it wasn't touched so it was either unpalatable it was too woody or it was just something that the deer could not use as and so you'd kind of talk about too the way that you developed your your seeds and everything like that with your background in deer farming is that you were feeding the deer $20 bills.
3: And 18 of it's coming out their backside, right? Mm -hmm. And that was painful. Trust me, that was painful. But I started to understand the digestive system in a deer is a lot less efficient than a cow. Now, they have a same, similar multi-chamber system or stomach where they regurgitate several times. A deer stops and spends about 50% less time trying to break down what it's consumed before it pushes it out through the intestine to get whatever absorption it can and out the back door where cows will spend 50% more time when farmers raise cows they're also feeding them digestive agents to help them be more efficient at breaking down what they eat whitetails in the open ground and your public ground and even a lot of a lot of us in our our privately managed properties we're not doing anything to boost the digestive system or the bacteria count now, we're not allowed to bait anymore in Michigan, and unfortunately, our core infusion pellet feed, which we developed for High Fence, is that product that has all of the feeding the bacteria, multiplying the bacteria. It, attra- it addresses negative bacteria um, with two two different um, natural-based or uh, um, ingredients within the pellet that grab onto those microtoxins or negative bacteria that deer are inundated with every single day in the woods or in a pond or when they're drinking more stagnant water, it's more uh, prevalent, or if they're rummaging through the woods, we don't have that capacity. So now what we need to do is we need to start to focus on natural and natural food, so that's where our selective timber harvest comes into play on properties. We go in and we want to regenerate natural food, understory, from seven foot to the ground, Um, I never try to replace Mother Nature, I just try to come alongside her in the different seed species, which was your point that you were speaking to earlier, is that the seed species make a big difference in the quality of the forage, the digestibility, so I use the analogy, I want it to be, it's it's all fibrous, but we want it to be like a well-steamed piece of broccoli, as opposed to an undercooked piece of asparagus, and if any of you had asparagus, asparagus, whether you like it or don't like it, it's a little more... Uh, woody stemmy and you almost can peel it out of your teeth when you're done eating it unless it's well steamed where it falls apart so we want that for those deer to be able to break down Um, we're dealing with brassicas we don't want a big thick rubbery cabbage leaf we want a thin romaine lettuce type leaf so that deer are able to have a chance to break that down and extract the vitamins the minerals the and the carbohydrates out of that other than just to fill their gut and then poop it out the back door right we want them to benefit from it and so that's where I started to learn about there's different species that produce different uh, characteristics in the plant and it's not just the leaf or the stem we want the we want the whole plant or as much of the plant as possible to be utilized by the deer and to be eaten not just stand there you spent the money you spent the time two things that are very precious in our lives these days there's never enough money and we certainly don't have enough time so when you put that to work you want your money and time to go to work for you and that's where we have taken the steps done the research the seed growers we work with the products that we put in our bags they produce results uh, for the customer and that's what that's critical for me that's what we're known for doing besides being passionate and jumping up and down on my skin about <laughs> whitetails I want to make sure
2: that when people buy one of our products they get value so for the the poor man's food plot the guy that doesn't have the equipment the guy that doesn't have the one of the things that we we face uh personally you know i've i've got the the whitetail hunter's dream right we've got 240 acres in the up we've got a cabin there's a creek that runs through it there's a 15 acre field it's seven hours away so i can't go up there and you know uh round up the whole thing and then come back in two weeks and then mow it down and then come back in two weeks and plant it and then come back. And, yep. you know, even with all of that, I, I can't allocate that time, that sort of. And the investment. resources. And, yeah.
3: yeah. It's an investment to drive seven hours. So. And so
2: mm-hmm. if you have 10 acres here where you've got one spot where you could put in a nice kill plot or mm-hmm. something like that, but you'd have a lawnmower and a weed whacker, mm-hmm. uh, what what do you what do you say to that guy how, how do you so we have products for several different
3: applications that you can do with a little bit of your muscle power and a heavy tine rake um as you mentioned a weed whacker it can be a great asset and tool you've got one to take care of your yard you can put it to work in the field for you what we do is we we always suggest a soil test so we do soil testing um 22 off the website we mail it out to you you take multiple soil samples from an individual food plot mix them up in a five-gallon bucket, send us about two-and-a-half cups of that to the lab. We'll analyze that within about 24 to forty-hour, 48 hours of receiving it in the lab. Email your report, and we get on the phone. We give you a 15-, 20-minute consultation. We will help you. It's it's Once you read the first one, they're pretty straightforward, but for those that have never seen one before, it's like, uh, what is this, right? It's Greek. So we just explain to them, here's where you're, it's all in color-coded bars with low, Uh, very low, low, medium, optimum, high, and very high, and they're all color-coded with the key things that you want to be looking at. We give a pH, and we also give you an organic level to know where you're at in your soil because that organic level dictates how much moisture and nutrients can stay suspended in the root zone of your plant, which ultimately translates into your success. We do a soil test. Once we know, we can write that recipe, help you write the recipe of what you need to do. Go out to that spot that you want to plant a little 8th acre, 10th acre quarter acre kill plot or whatever take broadcast or uh, spray your roundup or grass and weed killer whatever your poison is that you want to use but i use roundup but it doesn't matter whichever one you want to use spray that on your plot wait the recommended amount of time once it's dead you can take our groganics fusion fertilizer broadcast it over the top of that dead vegetation just walk through while it's still standing take our deep woods blend which is made to go from full sun down to two hours um, you can take our carnage brassicas if you have a full sun down to about five and a half hours, uh, those are really good for fall food plots. Um, we have our new crop duster that we just launched at ATA that's made to go over the top of standing beans within rows of corn, and then when it gets harvested, it blows up. That can also be used over the top of standing grass and weeds that you've killed off. Broadcast that in. That has a little bit different variety. It's good for poor quality soil and lower light conditions. And then go back through with your weed whacker and whack down that vegetation. And it acts like straw does that you would put over uh, freshly seeded grass seed. It helps to keep the moisture in the ground, allow the seed to establish its roots, and then come break on through uh, that cover so that you have a good solid food plot establishment. And all you really needed is a weed whacker, a little pump sprayer that you can go buy for 15 bucks at you know family farm and home or tractor supply or whatever. Get that mix up your your potion in there, and I can tell you if you get a hold of us, I can tell you exactly what you need to do to to uh, mix that up, get it all sprayed down, killed off. It's a pretty simple thing, and you can do that in your seven hour trip. You you could go up there two times and be done. So,
1: but it, you'd also after your your soil test, you'd also tell us like what we need for nutrients or the organic. So, yeah, all of that. Yep,
3: within that as well. So, yep, yeah. we will make the recommendation on your. Um, your soil correction, your fertilizer, your, your if you need to address the pH with the lime. Pellet lime versus ag lime, we've talked about that before. But pellet lime is faster acting. Usually starts to work in about two to two and a half weeks, but only lasts about three months in the soil. Agricultural, big heavy agriculture, which you can buy in 40-pound bags. Also from family farm and home or those your mill or wherever your your local place is. And you can kind of sift it out, cut the open the bag like a bag of flour, and you're kind of going back and forth if you want to put ag lime in, if you don't, if you have a small spot. The difference is pellet lime is two and a half weeks to three weeks, and it lasts about three months. Agriculture lime doesn't start neutralizing or sweetening the ground um, for about two to two and a half months, but it lasts about two years of doing that. Particle For particle, has to touch the soil. In this poor poor soil condition that we were using as an example, and this person that may not have a lot of uh, ability to turn or work the ground, but doing it in kind of this low-budget format, Um, lime is very difficult. It needs to be particle for particle, so to affect the pH, it needs to be worked into the ground. If you're not able to do that, try to get it in this time of the year. We've got the snow and the melt and the snow, and we're going to get rain. Try to get it out now this time of the year and let Mother Nature work it down into the soil for you, Pellet lime's pretty easy. You could put it in a bag seeder over your shoulder and just walk around, get it into that snow. And when that snow melts later, and it keeps getting pushed down, that will help to get at least some into the top surface of your soil. Um, without having to have a forty thousand dollar tractor, or a, you know, a quad with all the implements and stuff. That's a, that's how many people are going to have to do their food plots this year.
2: In with a small plot, like let's say that I've got a piece of ground that I want to get established um and you're you're talking about you know going in there in the winter time and doing that is it beneficial to like say right now because i i i'm thinking solely on deer movement right Mm -hmm. so even if i were to go out there and do some sort of frost seeding right now with something that's going to take that i want the deer to start to look at that as a you know
3: still a couple months away from that
2: but But how do you yeah when and how do you decide that you're going to do that
3: so as far as what are the deer movement where am i going to try to do it or well
2: i guess the way that i've always looked at food plots in very inexperienced but is that uh feel the dreams right you sell me the field of dreams yep. if i plant it they will come yep. right so, so where are we
3: putting it why are we choosing one spot over another that kind of thing well
2: but like let's say i have 10 acres and i have one spot that oh, is i got gotcha. you uh, that I don't have to go in there and cut out all this stuff. So I, I have this spot where I have it in mind. How do I make the deer want to go there?
3: Um, well, I mean, deer are pretty simple. They need cover, food, and water. And they want to be able to feel safe just as though you and I would at any time of the year, and we need that security of those three things. So if you can add a food element and you already have a water element, that's great. If you don't have a water element; they're going to be moving to a water element. So placement of the food plot can be critical, um, in conjunction to say the water source that's on your neighbor's property or it's across the road. Where do we want to try to draw those deer to? Say we have agriculture, and I can never compete with beans and corn. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that. But if you put a if you put a snack kill plot in your property, and you're able to draw the deer to create those habits. Regardless of whether you have implements or no implements, you get that food source that is going to pull those deer into your property. I don't know if that's the answer to what your question is, maybe, but
2: what well, what I'm thinking is like more of an establishment perspective. Oh, like start so, from scratch. Yeah. So, so can I go in the steps? And what can I go in, in in the winter right now and do some frost seeding? Okay. Throw my throw my seed out there, get okay. something that the deer want to go to. Maybe put a camera on it and see what I'm getting to see if it's worth doing the next step. Or So
3: March or April is when you're going to do frost seeding. So our KFP Resurrection Clover, our Chicory, um, and our Coldplay are all frost seedable varieties, which is good because the Coldplay is really good for whitetails and turkeys. The other two are also good for, for both, but Coldplay is kind of focused. What you want to do is go out and broadcast the seed, and allow Mother Nature to use the heaving of the frost coming out of the ground, followed by snow, followed by rain, to work that into the surface of the soil to germinate and get it established. No fertilizer should be applied until after it's already established because what we don't want to do is we don't want to hit the food plot and help the grass and weeds catch up to the food plot. So let the food plot grow and get established as soon as the weather breaks where we feel like we can get out there with our quad or our tractor, with our spreader, or if you're doing it by hand, let the ground firm up a little bit, get a good establishment of um, of the roots of those plants that you frost seeded, and then go back and fertilize them with our Groganics or a triple 19 type application. Right. So basically, you
1: don't want to fertilize and help all the weeds grow, and yeah. then they just choke out your, yeah. your seed. Right.
3: That's what so. you're trying to do is give a head start to your perennials right. and some of your annuals in those blends to get going and get started. Establish the roots, choke out any chance of the sunlight getting to the ground, so you don't get the grass and weed um, uh, implication going on in your food plot. So, like,
1: like when Am's talking about the the average guy, like we would be. I mean, obviously, we couldn't go out and get a soil sample right now when the ground's froze. So, would we still want to start like a
3: uh, frost seeded seed? In?
1: Oh yeah. Or would we want to wait?
3: You just... can you can go out right now and get. And You can go out depending on how determined you are. You can get some soil. So first so, off, so that that's, I can't it doesn't work for me. Okay, so, <laughs> so that's what
1: I'm, that's. I guess that was my question. So it's okay to go out yeah, now and try yeah. to get it.
3: Absolutely, that's not dig through it. the snow. You may have to bring a pickaxe or you know <laughs> something, but the claw and a hammer works pretty good. Just break through that top frozen bit of ground and then get to where it's not frozen down. Okay. Um, we just started hitting this weather in Michigan. Now, some other sure. states, they have a little less, a little more. I was in Ohio after ATA, and they had inches of snow. Um, sure. but, but, yeah, if not, March is going to be a time of the year where you're going to see that, that tail end of March. You can grab it, and that's still ahead of frost seeding. We turn a soil sample from the time it leaves your house, gets to our lab. We'll turn it within 24 to 48 hours, so we get you the results quick. We can tell you what's going on in your soil and then make a recommendation of what to plant. At the end of the day, if you're going to frost seed, you've already probably made some level of a commitment to doing some type of soil correction the year before. You've had a brassica plant in the past or you've had some fall type blend that you put in there. That's going to leave you a pretty clean palette to begin with. And then when you frost seed into that in the spring, you get better results because you've taken care of your soil. If you've never taken care of your soil... I don't know if frost seeding is always the best option. It certainly makes it easier. Um, We have our clovers and our chicories are more tolerant to lower pH than the average clover, and they're very hardy for frost and freezing aspect in the winter. But I would still encourage that if you do frost seed, do the soil test after the ground thaws. You can still have an establishment of the clover. It can still have an establishment of the chicory. Take your soil sample after that, and then we can start applying soil correction to that food plot. If if you're trying to get that jump start, which it sounds like you're you're trying, that's what you're talking about is getting that jump start on something that maybe isn't perfect.
2: Well, I think, it especially for the, the the guys that have an established place that they hunt, yep. and maybe they had a bait station or they had something yep. like that, and so now you're saying. Well, I can't bait. What do I do now? Right. Now I'm going to have to do some sort of food plotting or something to compete with the neighbor, compete with nature, compete yep. with, you know, whatever to to hold those deer on my property. What do you do? And so one of the problems that we have, like my parents have five acres and there's a power line that runs right through it. So, you know, it gets mowed by the consumer's power and there's there's light all the time. Yep. There's this, what you would think of as perfect but it's very sandy and there's ferns everywhere. And so that was one of the questions I asked you up I'm going to ask you about what do you do for ferns and, and, and things like that. So in a situation like that, because I think really what you're talking to is a guy that has an idea that he's always wanted to do a food plot or this is going to be my spot. How do I go about it? Or he's tried it in the past and it just failed. Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah. So if you're in a situation, we'll start from that. So if somebody a guy or gal's tried a food plot and they haven't been that successful that soil test again is going to tell them what they need to do we can write that recipe of what and how much to add to the soil which doesn't always cost very much money honestly it's way better spent than spending a bunch of money on fertilizer that you don't know how much you need and buying some seed that you don't even know is the right seed to grow in that condition you have today throwing it up in the air and then hoping for the best, right? People do that all the time. And I'm thinking, man, you don't have twenty dollars for a soil test, but you're gonna do that. I tell them, skip one twenty pack. And you'll be the first one drinking a beer on opening weekend. And while everybody else is out freezing their butt off and they're blind, try to kill their buck, right? Because if you take care of doing that soil test, take care of your soil, it's gonna produce not only more growth or more green vegetation, but a higher quality, more preferred flavor and the texture and that, you know, that well-steamed broccoli versus that undercooked asparagus um, result in the food plot, which is going to be more desirable for your for them to go to your food plot versus your buddy that's on the other side of the property or your neighbor or whomever. That gives you that advantage. So when you talk about ferns, ferns are usually a product of acidic soil. So when you fix acidic soil, you will not have as much ferns. So our Groganics hydration, which is a bulk version of our organics fusion fertilizer, we call it the fern burner because we not only fix the soil in the organics and we build up the soil, but we, we transform that soil in a fairly short order and it does, it takes away the ideal conditions for ferns sure. to grow. So you raise the pH. Huh? You ra- We raise pH, but you're also bringing the, the organic matter, you're bringing right. the biology back in, you're bringing the minerals in you're bringing the micronutrients in you're setting a stage that is not ideal for ferns ferns grow in usually very crappy poor soil conditions they usually like shady conditions some but they do grow in full sun um, but taking care and fixing that soil can help you eradicate if you start getting ferns that are growing where they where they look like um like the head of a swan with its head tucked back into its neck that's when you kill ferns is when they're just about to open up, that's when you want to spray to kill the ferns. And you have to use the right killer to kill those with a broadleaf killer. And a broadleaf killer is a ground sterilizer. So for 30 to 45 days, you're not planting anything. But it will. it's like a pre-emergent. It'll keep anything new from coming up. And then at that 45-day point, that's when you can go in there, do the rest of your soil correction, and get planting. If the ferns still here and there start popping back out of the ground, it's as simple as taking a sickle or a weed whacker and go and knock them down and cut the head right off of them. Literally <laughs> machete them right off and control those grass and weeds in that method or mowing if you're in a if you're in a perennial plot with the clover, the chicory or our alfalfa clover mix in the cold play. You can go out there and mow and just keep knocking and killing that growth cycle so that it does not produce a head full of seeds and more competitors in your food plot.
1: They like said in, in your the fertilizer that you have—is yeah. it? Do you include beneficial bacteria in that? Yeah, it has the bacteria, so, the okay. fungi,
3: has the carbon right. which feeds the bacteria. Right. They munch away on that, which helps them to to uh, to populate and yeah. multiply, uh, right. which is important. The micronutrients are very, very for efficiency and uptake and growth. That's important. We also have organic matter in that right. bag, so we're not just giving you NPK Correct. that 19, nineteen nineteen nineteen. We're doing it with an eight four four. People are like eight four four. I have to put a lot more of it on? Nope. nope. Because it's natural and it's easier for the plant to take up and there's no salt. So we're not trying to combat all this negative. We don't have the negative. We have positive upon positive upon positive and it's all immediately available. And we were talking about pH and I had a, a good analogy earlier. When you think about one granular of your soil that ha- and you have poor pH, think about it as locked in jail. And that... All the nutrients are locked away, and the roots are trying to get in from the outside. They they want to go in, and they want to get into that cell. They can't get to the cell to pull the available free nutrients. They're free. They're already there, but they're not freed yet. So when you add lime, you open the cell of that jail cell that's locking in the nutrients, and you open that, allowing the roots in to access what's inside that cell or all those available nutrients, those are free to you with very inexpensive lime application. Lime is like $36 a ton for ag lime. Pellet lime, if you buy it at a family farm and home when it's on sale, it's $3 a bag for 40 pounds. It's so cheap in in releasing those available nutrients without having to put gobs and gobs of fertilizer in that. But that's what a soil test will tell you. You're doing it in a more efficient way. Absolutely. You use less less of the the fertilizer yep.
1: because it, it we call newt lock right the ph is wrong so we're gonna free it up right and so you don't have to have as much because now the plants can use it yeah more
3: readily right yep what's there and and what you're adding is more available to the plant too because it's not it's not being uh drawn away and locked right. up so so i know
2: we've taken up a lot of your time i mean we're there people buzzing around this, here and nick He's waving and saying hi, and I'll get you in a second. Um, just one thing that I want to talk about that I think you know, I'd like to hear, I think would be good for the listener, is, is things that I don't necessarily think of when I think of food pots, and that is your screening products and things like that. Like What you were talking about is making the deer feel safe. So maybe you're not feeding them, or you're not planning something simply to feed them, but it's also to point them at a certain Direction. Yep. So, can you talk a little bit about that and how to do that on, maybe in placing a food plot or setting that up on a small scale?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Border Patrol was designed 19 years ago by inspired by um, some of my higher end customers that I was asking them, "Hey, what do you need? What do you need us to do on your property?" They said, "Well, you know, um, if you can get more deer to move during daylight hours, that'd be nice." You know, <laughs> I said, "Oh, sure, no problem. I'll tie them to the tree for you too, right?" But <laughs> But in all honesty, my brain, because you know how I am, it's a new challenge. Nick loves challenges. And uh, so I started, I, I did all kinds of things, Egyptian wheat, sorghums. I used corn. I, I used uh, climbing, vining peas. I tried to do different grasses, worm seasons, you know, from perennials to annuals and different things. And what I landed on is ultimately Border Patrol today. It's an annual growing. It, it grows from seed to full height in 75 to 90 days. A full height can be somewhere between eight and 14 foot tall. But what I found early on is people were not very open to screening. They didn't understand the benefit. And they said, well, my plot's only one acre. I can't give up. And that, in those days, when I first started, I needed 14 foot of their entire perimeter so that when it turned brown, the deer couldn't see in or out of the food plot. The whole purpose of Border Patrol, which is now on the outside perimeter, I go eight foot wide. Now I'm not taking up as much, and we have 40% food in it. We have a climbing, binding spring pea and a forage soybean. So we're feeding mid-20s very available nutrients and high in a a protein food source that the deer need to recover, to replenish their body, to build their body. 80% of a deer's diet through spring and summer needs to be protein, 20% carbs. So that's really an important piece. That Border Patrol, what it does is it creates more daytime movement in and out of the food plot where they feel safe, which is the point that, that you made early on. What uh, What other benefit from Border Patrol is that when a buck can stand off in the woods and you're in your stand for the 13th time, and guess what? The buck came, he saw, and he left, and you thought you got skunked again. The reality was he was there all 13 nights you were hunting. He just never had to go to the edge of the food plot because he could stand in the woods and look out over that whole field, and there were no girls, and there were no competing boys, and he had no reason to go stick his nose, his his body, or any part of himself into that field during daylight hours in a wide open area. But as soon as we put Border Patrol up, we create a wall with Border Patrol. And then we create the openings where we want the deer to go. So they hit the wall, and we direct their pattern, down, their movement, down to the opening. When they enter into the food plot, we immediately have a teed-off wall right there which forces them to walk from one end of the field where they entered to the other end of the field. How many times has a deer cruised a tree line just outside of your bow or crossbow or even maybe your gun range? You're not able to reach out and shoot that deer or feel comfortable. Well, we put a wall there. The reason I do that is I don't want him to see the whole food plot. He's got to make a commitment. If I'm going to go look for girls, and I'm going to go look for competing boys that are in my in my uh, area. i am got to enter. And now I've got to walk to the end of that teed-off wall and come around the corner. What this does for the customer that's sitting in a tree stand over the food plot is where that teed-off wall has an opening, you have a tree stand. You can get a deer within 20 yards of you. When they come around, they're not looking in the trees for you as you're shaking on that big buck, right, trying to get your knock put into your loop and be able to draw your bow or be able to shoulder your gun without shaking. It gives you time because they look around that corner at that next corridor. They're scanning. They're looking for predators first. They're looking for coyotes, wolves, cougars, bobcats. They're looking They're looking for you and I to make sure you're not in the food plot. Once they feel safe, the next thing is they're looking for the girls and they're looking for the subordinate bucks. And when they come cruising through those food plots, what their whole focus is now going to the next quadrant. It's not on you again in that tree. So it gives you position. It gives you time. And when you get a deer to zigzag back and forth through the food, that is putting time in your pocket. And the more time, the more the more change that you're putting in, boom, 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 you start filling your pocket full of time. What does that do? Our Michigan motto is, if I don't shoot him, my neighbor will. Right? We got to own it. We all need T-shirts, right? Because we've all been there. I, Admittedly, I was that, that way for a long time thinking, man, I can't let that six-point go. That's the biggest deer I've seen in two years. i got to shoot it because as soon as it goes over there, John's going to shoot it, right? <laughs> well, you know, and when I don't, you know, a lot of times, yeah, that does happen, right? And I think, man, I passed the deer like eight times, John. Why are you going to kill that thing? Let's try to grow some deer. But you know me. I don't judge people. If they shoot a spike, so be it. They eat better. Um, I don't ever judge anybody. But if somebody's trying to elevate their game and they're trying to do management on their property or see more deer during daylight hours, Border Patrol, will allow those deer to come out, feel safe and secure. It truly does protect them from predators because they can blow through those walls I talked about. They're lazy and they don't. They po- they follow it like you're reeling them in. But when, uh, when the deer are threatened, they can blow through the wall like Casper the Ghost and be gone. You know... All that border patrol, that's all, I mean, natural. It's not like
1: an invasive. It's not an invasive, invasive, invasive at all. Nope, so.
3: you're not going to seed out and, and create a problem. You're right. not going to tick off a farmer who's <laughs> right. you know mad enough and about all the other invasives like, oh he's my trying God, to take all here. the ditches now is all border patrol. <laughs> yeah, no. I wish it was, but no. Um, but uh, no, it's not. It's a non-invasive. It's an annual. It puts out a sterile seed, but that seed that's in the top that gets in the big seed plumes, that's also a natural digestive uh, booster for the deer in the late season they kind of tip over like feed sacks and your deer, deer will be pogoing on their back legs and they'll be <laughs> stripping those seeds and there's not a lot of natural browse available in the winter months and they can eat that and benefit from that as well so it does have a later season benefit from from that once all the protein and the peas and beans is gone even the screening and it's packed full of nutrients plus it helps you to build organic matter in the spring when you brush hog it and turn it back in it builds your soil as well so you know what I mean? Nothing's want single faceted <laughs> in Nick's world. So,
2: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is, like, if you are listening to this and you're not motivated or at least doesn't have you thinking about, like, well, I've got this little spot where I can do it, um, you know, there's something wrong with it because the the passion that Nick has for food plotting and the way that he has broken down all of this to a science, he can talk forever and a day about it. I don't want to keep him too much longer um, for this. So where can everybody find, I mean, and honestly, he's a super accessible guy. If you, if you want to talk about this, he's available to you. So where can people find you and how can they, you know, look for your products and, and guidance, I guess.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, we have a Facebook page, Instagram page. I prefer if you're going to reach out to us to try to get me to communicate Facebook messenger is is you can reach me there, but it's, I'm not the fastest to turn those around. If you can, email our website. There's a contact us um, right on the killerfoodplot.com. You can learn about the products. There's good information there. You can see some pictures of not only the seed, the, the product growing. The Border Patrol is a great picture. That picture on the website is an, uh, an acre and a quarter. And we also have that. We're, we're doing uh, 14, 15 shows here, this uh, winter, spring series. And then we do shows later in the year. We'll be at the Mike Avery show next weekend, uh, Birch Run following that. Um, I think the Lansing uh, Deer and Turkey or Field and Stream show will be another Michigan show we'll be doing. Uh, we're also product-wise available at several different smaller dealers throughout the state, Jay's Sporting Goods, Coopersville Hardware, Bob's Gun and Tackle. Um, we're in Family Farm and Home now. And we've got some other announcements coming up. Hopefully, we're going to be growing that further. We've signed a bunch of new dealers with the baiting band here in Michigan, and we're hoping to reach even more of them in the in the coming weeks, so that we can make these products available, so people can benefit from them.
2: And also, if you have a large piece of property, or if you have a hunting property and you want consultation, that that's also available through Killer Food Club. Yeah, as well. we do a
3: half day consult. So we're running a special right now through the shows uh, through the show season saves you $150, reach out to me. I could be able to help get that on the calendar. Um, I always try to book customers to call me as soon as possible because we can get into these shows. I think we booked 15 consults today alone. It's been crazy, but um, I'm doing Killer Food Plots full-time. It's always been this 90-hour-a-week uh, a passion of mine, a hobby slash passion, that uh, I was working 50, 60 hours a week as an engineer, and I finally decided with Everything going on, I didn't decide. I actually lost my job, and it was the greatest blessing that ever happened to me, to be honest with you. So I have more time for my customers, more available. I can travel further, uh, spend more time both in the state and out of the state. So they can reach out to me, again, via the email, 616-550-8483 is my cell contact for the for our uh, killer food plots. Reach out, leave me a message. When we're super busy, allow me 24 hours or so, I'll get back to you. Um, reach out to me multiple ways if you want, but website and, and or giving us a call seems to be the probably the most efficient way to get in touch How with You me. put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll too. put everything,
2: uh, all the links and everything like cool. that. But, cool. you know, I just really appreciate it. And yeah, like I say, absolutely. with your passion for all this, it, it makes it real easy to say, well, it's something that I can do. Um, and I, th- I think that that translates really well. So I I do appreciate it.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, you know me. I don't want to sell anybody anything that they're not going to be successful with. So let's get that soil test. Let's get you a little piece of education so that you understand. Let me understand what you have for tools and resources, what you're planning, sunlight conditions. We'll make sure we get you the right product so you can have immediate results and you don't have to fail like I did (laughs) for two years.
1: We didn't even touch on your uh, retain. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you have a dry soil, this stuff, I mean, is amazing. Like, yeah, it's, I mean,
3: it's 100% thanks. organic pellet that <laughs> yeah. absorbs moisture and nutrients in the soil for up to three years. And so in Michigan, with our dirty sand, sand, or heavy clay conditions we have, it's amazing. Also, though, if you have a wet spot where you're not able to really? get in with your quad or your tractor or to be able to work it, work that in when things are at a, a little bit drier point, and you can gain a month to month and a half earlier getting in. So I have customers that they can't plant till the middle of September. Man, that's late. That's like lethal winter oats and deep woods. It's about all you're going to plant that time of the year or a new crop duster. And you miss out on the opportunity to get your brassicas really pumping and get some big, healthy food plots. Retain will absorb that moisture earlier. If you live on the East Coast, right, and you're listening to this thing, you're like, man, I feel like I live in Seattle. <laughs> right? It's crazy. It won't stop raining out here. Well, my our customers that we work with on the East Coast that put Retain in, they have the best food plots they've ever had. Those that didn't use Retain, they've been under a foot of water. So each one of those little pellets in the retain, it's about the size of a turnip seed, can absorb 300 times its original weight and moisture and nutrients. That's about the size of a shattered piece of windshield glass, kind of an oblong chunk, um, quarter inch thick or so. That's how big each one of those pellets can get. And as they swell, they're also displacing the soil, allowing oxygen to flow at the root level. And oxygen and moisture are just as important. I want to touch on one thing before I jump my own self off of here because i got to talk with people, but public land hunters. What are you going to do? We have our suffuse products. It's a liquid spray attractant and cover scent. We have them in synthetic, in our deer urine, synthetic and in the natural, certified uh, ATA supplier, all that stuff we have to do now. Um, Our cover scent and attractants in our white oak acorn, our sweet corn, our red apple, sugar beet for those of you that live in the thumb because nothing is better than a sugar beet when you live in the thumb. Right. Poor apples, deer don't care about apples. They want more sugar beets. So they're like me and my peanut M&Ms. But we have some different things. We also have a scent eliminating uh, black dirt. Anytime you turn the ground, deer are always curious to that. They're coming because they're looking for finite roots right. and, and trying to get into that, that level to get some nutrients out of the soil. That black dirt eliminates all other scent on you, on your clothes, on your boots. You can also use these sprays to check thermals and wind direction on your way into a stand people don't ever think about it on the way in thermals bust you before you even get to the stand most of the time understand your thermals so that's a great product some of it's available at family farm and home or off our website as well but that's the only option food plots or scent attractants this year and we want to continue to educate and show the value in our suffuse product Um, we give 10 ounces in that and it ultra mist so it should last you the better part of the season Um, unless you're soaking yourself in some black dirt. Um, Yeah, you know, but we're all about value and whatever we do and and that it works. And we don't sell a product unless it does. I launched a mineral at ATA two years ago, and I had a couple of bad uh, reviews from some of my field testers. I never sold a single bag of that. I pulled it out. I had thousands of dollars invested because I'm not going to sell a product that doesn't work for every single person um, every single time. So awesome, yeah.
2: Well, like I say, I, I just really appreciate it, and I, I encourage anybody who's thinking about it to, to reach out to Nick. And uh, If you didn't glean from this uh, a little bit of knowledge and the fact that he's a really great guy and a real easy guy to talk to, then, I, like I say, I don't know what circles you're running in, but like I say, I just... <laughs> Thanks, I man. I just I appreciate really, that. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely be be reaching out here real soon to do some stuff with, uh, with the little things that we do have. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, you
3: bet. So. Thanks, guys. All right. All right.
2: Thanks. See you.